All righty, everybody. Welcome back to Daily DVR. My name is Axel. Today is Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. We've got a great show for you today. I uh, know I didn't, I didn't put out a show yesterday. I missed a show last week too, because I would have been sick as a dog. I didn't have COVID, but I had something that made me cough a lot and feel really tired. But um, I'm trying to get back in the game. I've got Trey here with me today. We're going to talk to her in about a sec. Just want to remind you to head on over to dvrpodcast.com. And of course, go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash DVR. I want to thank all the patrons and everybody over there. And also give a shout out to the Facebook group. Head on over to our Facebook group, Daily DVR. Uh, we got a good conversations going over there, and Grandpa James is always dropping some fun stuff there as well, so thank you, too. Um, but hey, remember we were doing Yellow Jackets a while back? Trey was talking with us. We haven't talked to her for a while. Today, we're going to talk some Halloween and scary, non-scary, fun stuff. She's got lists. Trey, <laughs> how you doing? I'm really good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm happy to have you. How have you been? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. How about you? Living, living, trying, trying to survive whatever this sickness that uh, I'm down with the sickness. <laughs> that, who, who was that? What song was that down? Was that puddle of mud or something? I think it was. Oh, or was it? P-O-D. Oh, yes. Okay, I think it was. <laughs> I feel like there was a P-O-D and a puddle of mud, and they came out around the same time. Yeah, I think they're... Because oh, I always man. said the other one was puddle of dumb. <laughs> so it was like the letters were reversed. Th- those were all those like post-grunge, like Limp yeah. biscuit, like all those kind of like mixed a little rap with little metal and always just some douchey white guy at the front of the band with a hat turned some weird way, right? Like, Yeah. Did you watch the show The Good Place? Yes, yes. Do you remember when they go to hell at the end of the first or second season when they reveal that The Good Place was hell the whole time? Um, and they have like a hell party and they're just playing She Fucking Hates Me by Puddle of Mud on the <laughs> <clears throat> I thought that was like the funniest uh, detail in that TV series. Oh man. Yeah. That was a great series. That was a good, well, you know what? That's the good place. But today we're going to talk about the dark, bad place, <laughs> some Halloween stuff. It's October. I love getting into the mood. Now, I don't know about you. We moved into a new house. My wife doesn't really care too much about like decorating and all that kind of stuff, but I love it. And I put up a bunch of scary stuff in front of the house and I got some like old, like sixties, seventies cartoon ghost signs that people used to have. Yeah. I found them at a garage sale and I was like, these are awesome. And they are so awesome. They look like I, I, I couldn't believe I got them for like a dollar each or something. But um, I like to, de- do you decorate? Do you put some fun decorations up and get into the Halloween? Okay, so I'm obsessed with Halloween, but since I was a kid, I haven't really decorated. And part of that is just, I like live in rental apartments now. So um, what I might do is get like a wreath for my door, like one of the Halloween wreaths at the craft stores or something. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think I'm allowed to decorate like the front porch. Like I don't know if my landlord would, would be okay with that. Um, <laughs> like why is there a like corpse a on couple, your front porch? <laughs> yeah, I would like to do a couple like cute things inside this year just cause I'm such a Halloween fan, but I like, am just never a decorator. Like I'm, you know, like a, a movie watcher, a party goer, a costume dresser upper, but I never get into the decorating part. And that is something I would like to do this year. Yeah, it's fun. And I get sucked in. Like, I really get sucked in for Christmas. Like, I I, ha- I don't know why, but I have like 30, like, you know, like two, three foot dolls that are like elves and Santa. And I have <laughs> to collect all. And then now I have like, kangaroo christmas kangaroos and i don't know what the fuck i'm doing like my son gets into it i I don't i don't even know it's just something that i they know i will buy this store is like (laughs) axel's out there he'll buy this stupid huge stuffed animal for christmas and i just put them all over the house and my wife every time is like can we just have one room where there's not like some weird animal staring at me with a fucking <laughs> Christmas cap on? I don't know. I, I love it. I love the decorating everything. And it's a little different this year. The neighborhood we used to live in was such a huge Halloween neighborhood that people would who used to live there and people all around the neighborhoods and the town would come to that neighborhood to trick or treat. So it would be packed, man. I mean, there would be like cars couldn't go down the street. There were so many people out. So my son grew up with this like amazing Halloween. And our new neighborhood, it's kind of hilly. It's a little more fancy schmancy. And there's just not a lot of decorations. And from what I've heard, they're like, nah, there aren't really a lot of kids around. So we might have to be one of those people who head back to the old neighborhood to do some trick or treating, you know? Yeah. Um, sometimes with the, like, if your area is fancier, um, they give out the bigger chocolate bars in like the rich houses. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> it, it took me a long time in life to learn what the, what the rich kids were doing on the other side of town. I like went with my friend in middle school, but yeah. we were like a little too old to trick or treat. Cause she lived in a rich area and I could not believe. I was like, uh, these are like the full size bars. These aren't like the mini <laughs> Halloween ones. Like, where has this been my whole life? Oh, man. I didn't think of that. You're right. Cause that's how I grew up, too. You know, this is probably the fanciest area I've lived in, honestly. Um, I mean, we saved a good amount of time. We, we, we were, we lived in a rental for almost a decade to, save up you know to and house prices in and around the portland oregon area are absolutely ridiculous like what we paid for this house we could have like a fucking mansion in like 80 percent of the rest of the country but that's Mm. kind of how the coasts are in america right like everything is so expensive um on the east and west coast and then you know if you're in the middle which there's a lot of great places. That's what we talk about retiring. Like, well, this is good. This is an investment. We get the big candy bars now. We'll save them and <laughs> bring them with us when we have like a little two-bedroom bungalow or something when the kid goes to college. Um, but uh, all right. Well, that's our little Halloween talk. I love this season. I also get into it 
uh, for Lego. Every year I build like a Lego scene for Halloween and I should put it on the Facebook page. I rarely share my Lego stuff on the Facebook page because I don't want to, you know, I get too into it. The next thing you know, I'll be (laughs) posting Lego shit all the time. But um, I did create a very fun, like evil gazebo that has a, uh, a a scary tales book in it but then i created like this monster with like big eyes that's like eating the book and i i have this story where the kid has to go in there and say this special spell and then the monster will let the book out and i don't know i get all into it man but um i used to put those outside on halloween and let the kids look at them but um i don't know hopefully we'll get some kids coming around this year because I have to show my weird Lego shit to somebody besides Andy <laughs> and myself and weird people on Instagram, which I don't really go on anymore. But all right. Well, we got something better to talk about. We got some Halloween TV shows and films. Trey made two lists. Tell what do you, you made one that was scary and one that was fun. Yes. And spooky. Yeah, spooky, but like fairly kid-friendly or just not fitting into the horror genre. That's awesome. And you also, when we were when we were preparing, you know, I asked you come on the pod, let's chat. You said, "Hey, have you seen this movie called Talk to Me, a horror movie? It's an Australian movie. It came out last year in two thousand two. It's the perfect time. It's only an hour and thirty five minutes, which for me is like the perfect for a time for a movie, right? Length." Yeah. 90 minutes. Um, It's from directors, two brothers, Michael and Danny. I hope I pronounce this right. Philapuo. And I did a little research and found out that they were actually camera techs and worked in the camera and electrical department on the famous movie, The Babadook. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I think that they, I want to do some more research on this movie, but I'm pretty sure because, you know, in in, uh, Australia, like a lot of countries actually supports their film and and, uh, America doesn't have like, if you're like a young filmmaker, it's hard to get grants and stuff, but a lot of countries Mm -hmm. help people out. So I think that they were kind of helped out and like work their way through because i also saw that like the australian film commission or something gave money to this so um why don't you tell how did you find out about this movie because i I, admittedly i told you before i only got through about half the movie so far i watched it by myself last night and one of the reasons why i had to stop it was quite frankly it freaked me the fuck out. And I usually yeah. do not get scared by movies, but this is so visceral and it feels so real. And they tie the emotional, like this grief and what the people are, go- the characters are going through to the scary part. And it's such, so good the way they have kids with the phones and I don't know. Why don't you tell me a yeah. little bit about how you got into it and we'll try not to spoil too much of the movie. But um, it really is a great movie. Um, so I saw the ads for it on YouTube first. Um, I guess just because I watch, um, like, I mainly use YouTube for music and then um, horror movie reviews, like, that YouTube vloggers and stuff do. 
So my algorithm knows to like send me horror trailers. Mm-hmm. So that trailer kept coming up and coming up in the last couple months. Cause I think it was released. I think it was only recently released in Canada in the last few months. Um, so it had like a limited run in theaters here, which I missed. But then my friend told me as soon as it was um, available for streaming. So we watched it at his house. Cause I, I would not have watched this by myself. It was way too scary. <laughs> it, yeah. It is, it, it is very good. So the plot is basically, we get a scene that starts off the movie. How, oh yeah. That was, what, a, what a cold open. Wow. That's all I can say. And I, like I said, I don't want to spoil too much, but amazing cold open, great moving camera. You're, in, you're immediately thrown into what's happening. It has the typical like younger kids, you know, a lot of horror movies are like that. They're at some party, something's happening. You don't know what's happening. It continues on in that vein. And what, what the basic premise of the story is, is that there is these friends, they find out, they see a video online what looks like these kids getting like possessed, their eyes turning black, going like, making all weird noises and stuff. And supposedly their friends have an embalmed hand. It's just like a hand that's sticking out like it's gonna shake your hand. And if you grab it, you'll be possessed. Weird things happen. Excuse me. And it kind of builds from there. Obviously, we've seen some movies like this. But um, like you said to me, it's really the emotional stuff that got me. Yeah. So I thought it was, um, have you seen The Babadook? Axel? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I just had to oh. mute a second because I was coughing. Oh, no worries. Sorry. Um, yeah, I thought it was similar to the Babadook, but not too similar that I felt like it was a ripoff. Like they're, they're very different films. They're just both independent Australian. And then you pointed out that the the men who made talk to me also worked on the Babadook, which is interesting because I didn't know that, but they, like, I do see similarities, um, just in terms of the way that they used, uh, like the main narrative and the type of monster or supernaturalness that they were dealing with as an allegory for grief. Yeah. And I, trauma. So, and isn't that, isn't that the best kind of horror stuff? Like when we were talking about yes. with yellow jackets, one of the problems we have with that season is they're not connecting enough of the horror to what's happening. Like the characters have to evolve with it. And kind mm-hmm. of learn from what they're going through. And I felt that this movie, like I said, I'm about halfway through it. It's only an hour and a half. But you can see that immediately. That it connect, it makes that connection. And it feels very much like it is in the world of teenagers. In a way that a lot of American movies fumble, right? Like, it just felt authentic to me. It feels really authentic. I was even thinking like the cast is very diverse in it. If you compare like the general, like how everyone looks in that group of friends um, to like a late nineties American slasher, like I know what you did last summer Mm -hmm. or scream. 
like there's a huge difference between I mean, A, there aren't like 25 to 30 year olds playing all the characters, <laughs> yes, exactly. which is like really, really funny now thinking about it as because like I was born in 1990. So I grew up with like all these like literal grownups playing 16 year olds, which it was weird. But they were like everyone was like white, straight presenting. Now you have like very obviously queer characters. You have a lot of like people of color in horror movies and stuff. No one's like, I don't know. I hate when people say they're trying to force it down your throats, but it's like. With this type of film, it's like, no, these are just the type of people you would have yeah. in a high school. Like, yeah. they're not making a point of being like, oh, so-and-so is gay, like, I'm in the dialogue or something, right? It's just like, okay, I can tell that the butch person named Haley is probably queer. Yeah. I was going to say, the character of Haley is great, too, because, well, that's the difference between when when someone could say that, oh, they're pushing it down your throat. And you want to know something? I think... In a lot of times, in a lot of American films, and particularly, I mean, here I am in America, they kind of are, right? Because their point is to sell something to you. Mm -hmm. This doesn't feel like that. This feels like these are those people. This is that world. Hey, this is life. And yeah. particularly the character of Haley, which for the first couple minutes, I was like, hey, is that a boy or a girl? You know what I mean? And then you're like, who cares? First of all, right? It's a character. Mm -hmm. It's a person. But I, as a, I'm used to watching films with teenagers be overly preachy or, you know, a bunch of marketing execs were sitting in a room and they're like, you know what we need? We need to get this demo. So let's get this person, right? This didn't feel like that at all. This felt like people who were like, hey, these are our people in the same way that it has a lot of indigenous people in it as well. Yes. And you're just like, okay, they're in the movie. There's no explanation. No one is like, hey, you're this or you're that. They just are. And that, yeah. that I think is the difference of what, I mean, I, I, I'm a bit older and so I can remember like, you know, in this, in the eighties where you, if there was a gay character in a movie, there's like, a had to be a scene where someone was like, you are gay. Let's, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And when, Hey, maybe that's what we had to do as America with like Ellen. And you think about the different TV shows and films that helped people, um, get exposure. Right. And, mm -hmm. and be heard. And then after a while, the people who are really doing it right are just making movies or TV shows where there are different people in them and they don't need, there doesn't have to be an explanation to the, you know, cis people out there or whatever, like this is what this person is. And I, that's what I really, that's what made me feel that this film was authentic. Another thing I like too is they don't really explain a lot. Like they don't explain um, how, what's the, the, the lead character's name is uh, Sophie, right? Or is yes. that, and they don't explain, oh, okay. She's kind of like living with another family. Something happened yeah. with her dad and her mom, but they don't really explain it, but you get it because We've all known people in like high school who like something happened with their, like my cousins took in a kid because 
they they had problems with their family. You know what I mean? It just kind of the movie just moves, and that to me made it feel really authentic, and that's what made it actually scary to me. It's funny because I was watching with um, one of my best guy friends, and he's on the spectrum. So sometimes, like, he will demand like a very clear cut explanation because he can't do with subtext and reading in between the lines sometimes. And the first like 20 minutes of the film was him being like, are they sisters? Is she adopted? (laughs) How are they? And I was like, dude, it doesn't matter. I was like, I think this is a situation of, because I had this in high school with my best friend had some home stuff going on. So the unspoken rule in my house was Friday to Sunday, she would live with me and my mom. And we didn't talk about it. My mom didn't need to ask for details. It was just like, my mom knew that there was something going on and that she was more comfortable with us. So she half lived with us. Yeah. So I was just like, yeah, this is a similar situation to these characters. I can relate to this and there doesn't need to be exposition about it. Yeah. Well, it's a good one. I I really enjoyed this film. I would suggest that people watch it. I'm a, I'm a, I have become, I was always a horror fan, but I really think there's like a Renaissance going on where yeah. th- this is, you know, it's hard to get a drama made. It's hard to get anything of substance made if it doesn't have like five dudes in tights and all this CGI <laughs> in it. It really is, right? So yeah. horror has become the kind of garden for creativity. And you see so many amazing directors and so many amazing ideas coming from this genre. And I think that these two guys who directed this film, I'm sure, I, I think I think that the, the sequel is already in the works. And Yes, I did yeah. hear that. And, it's and this co- is A24, right? Yeah, it is. Yep, A24. And they, they do such good stuff too. They do. They really do awesome stuff. The poster alone, I was like, this is good. This is a good poster. Um, but, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, but I do have to say that the sequel is entitled talk to me <laughs> which i thought was a little like okay you're better than that but i'm still gonna give them you know what i mean like you got to do marketing people i feel like in my head when i heard that i assumed that they were trying to be ironic because of all the late 90s yeah, early 2000s think, sequels like fast too furious <laughs> yep yep too fast too furious with the two number twos yeah it's all about family um, so, Hey, let's hear your list. I want to hear your list of, uh, let's start with the, um, since we talked spooky, can we start with the f- more fun stuff? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so number one film that I watch every Halloween season that is not scary, uh, is clue the 1980s film based on the board game. Have you love, seen that before? Oh, of course. I love, I saw Clue in the theater multiple oh times to see the different endings. Right. Cause it would have been only released with one at a time back then. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was lucky cause I only ever seen it on VHS and then digital, which includes all three endings. But well, yeah, I watched that every single Halloween season um, with my friend named Taylor and yeah, it's like to the point where if we're 
doing other stuff, we just leave it on in the background because we know every line and we'll just quote along with it while we're doing other stuff. So <laughs> what a great, f- now, why does this, um, why does this one make you feel a, a more like Halloweeny? It's more like kind of a murder mystery. Does it take place during Halloween? Did I forget? Or is it just, it doesn't take place during Halloween. Based on how the weather looks at the time, it does seem that they're in fall. Yeah, that's true. Um, Like there's a storm going on and then there's, I feel like there's like a lot of leaves strewn about, but just kind of like dark, gloomy thunderstorm, lots of wind weather. So I, yeah, I would definitely place it in fall. And then it also seems like it's north, north enough, like in a north enough state that they would have snow if it was past fall, but it's like definitely not spring or summer. Almost all the women have uh, shawls with their dresses. Mm. So I, yeah, I definitely place it in fall. And then just as a kid, it was one of the like scariest films that I could handle. So in my head, it was always like <laughs> the, the precursor to me getting into horror. Because when you're eight, there are some like creepy little moments in this. The first time you're watching it, especially when they're like creeping around the house, like yeah. they split up into pairs to try to figure out who the killer is. And then the lights get turned off and then they're all bumping into you, stuff and screaming. You're right. So it, that's why I have this as like a feel good, ha- like not too Halloweeny, but like gets in there somehow, like just manages to get in there onto my Halloween list. I like this because you know what? It does have a tinge of Gothic horror to it. Doesn't it? The house yes. itself. Um, the, 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 uh, the, there's a lot of lines that then are like a da da, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. feels that way. Now this was directed by Jonathan Lynn. I never looked into this before. Who also directed the Fighting Temptations, the whole nine yards, Sergeant Bilko when they made that as a movie in 1996. I don't know. That was like a 50s. Wait, was that Steve Martin? Sergeant Bill, it was, yeah. This was like, I don't know. Sometimes they really go back into the past to remake something, but Sergeant Bilko was like an old 50s TV show. That was like too old for that point as well. But this guy has actually actually had a diverse career directing, and the cast is just extraordinary. I mean, Martin Mull, Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean. What a cast in this, right? Yeah, it's such it, they're they're such a strong ensemble piece too. Like I still every time I watch it, there's like a new thing that I didn't realize was really funny before, and then it's like the new line that I'm like, oh my god, wait, that bit was so funny. Let's rewind that scene six times. Oh my god, that's right. Jane Weedlin from the Go Go's is in this movie too. One of the Go Go's is in it. Yeah, she's the she does the singing telegram. Oh my god! Wow, <clears throat> um, that is nuts. I never realized that. Oh man, that's why it's fun to that's do these. So things, funny. I like to look them up and see what's <laughs> up. All right, what do you got next? Um, I have other Tim Curry Halloweeny role, The Worst Witch. The Worst Witch. I don't know if I ever saw this. So they've made at least two TV series. I think maybe three TV series based off of it. Um, it was originally a kid's yeah. book. Then, and I want to say like 89 or 1990, they made a film version starring Feruza Balk, who's Canadian. 
And Tim Curry plays like the grand high wizard who's like the honored guest at the witch's ball. And he shows up and does a musical number called Anything Could Happen on Halloween. And it is iconic and just like very camp. But it's about a girl who goes to witch school. Like it is, it's a kid's movie, but she goes to witch school and she's kind of like the worst at everything. Everyone gets a black hat. I think she gets like an orange tabby because she's like the last one to pick for some reason. She like fumbles through all the spells. She's not good at flying her broom at first. And then there's some sort of plot by the headmaster's evil twin sister to like kill the headmaster and pretend to be her or something. And then clumsy little Mildred is like the one who figures it out accidentally somehow. And then like clumsily saves the day or something. It's really cute. And when I was in elementary school, our teachers put it on every Halloween for us. Oh, that is cute. I don't know if I ever saw this. Okay, I'm going to have to check this out. The yeah, so BBC witch. did a late, a mid to late 90s TV series based on it. And then they revamped it in the 2000s with, um, oh, I forgot their name, the, uh, the person who went on to play like Fruza Balk's character in the most recent adaptation of it as a series is uh, Bella Ramsey. Bella Ramsey oh. from The Last of Us. Oh, okay. And Game of Thrones. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Pretty cool. The Worst Witch. This is something that I should hang. See, I got uh, this is a good list to watch something with my son because I was like, yeah, we got to watch Clue too. He would like Yeah, that. this one's really fun. It's, yeah, like very, very kid friendly, some good musical numbers. And it's just like very, very campy. There's some really fun, like 80s esque witch outfits. Nice. And Tim Curry, the master. Yeah. I dig it. All right. What you got next? Uh, this is pretty basic, but I have Ghostbusters next because I also try to watch that every year. Okay. Okay. Ghostbusters. No, I'm not the biggest fan of Ghostbusters. I have to admit it, Trey. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. I, I always, when I was a kid, like I liked Ghostbusters. I liked the, I loved, of course, I love Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd. I mean, uh, great. But for some reason, it just, uh, I think maybe it was like the Rick Moranis, Sigourney Weaver stuff, kind of like, maybe I just didn't really understand what was going on when I was a kid. You know what I mean? There's a lot of kind mm. of like sexual shit where yes. he's like bowing down to her and all like... I don't know. Maybe I just didn't get it or something, but I've always, I've never, maybe I should give it another shot and watch that with my son too. Cause that is definitely one of those movies that is so popular and mentioned so much that you sometimes actually like kind of forget what actually happens in it. Yeah. Um, I, the, I think the main thing for me is that I just, I think it has like a flawless screenplay. Like, I, I would say it's, like, a pretty perfect film in terms of writing. And, like, the dialogue is so good and the, the chemistry between the four main actors is really good. I also love the receptionist who, like, the one who's, like, Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, what was it? Annie Potts. Yes. Who was later in, what was she in? Designing Women? Wasn't wasn't she in Designing Women? What? Yeah, she was in Designing Women. Yeah. That's when she became a real household name. She was fantastic. Very New York. She tried to do a very New York accent in that. 
Hey, yeah. do you know, I did not know that the writers of Ghostbusters is Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Rick Moranis. I didn't know that the three of them wrote. I, wow. Interesting. Ghostbusters, man. What can you say? And now Rick Moranis is like making a comeback. Didn't he like, I, I guess he retired. I think his wife was sick or something. And he, re- oh. he, yeah, he like retired from acting for a real long time. And I think he's trying to kind of come back in a little bit. Now, do the, do the, um, the subsequent sequels and new Ghostbusters and female Ghostbusters and just like how, what it's become, does that color your viewing of it? Or are you able to see it as when you saw it when you were a child? So I haven't seen the newest one with Finn Wolfhard. I think it's Finn Wolfhard and Paul Ryder yes. on the newest yep. one, right? Okay. Yep. I, I do want to watch that. Um, I've heard it's just kind of meh. Uh, I'll probably check it out at some point. I'm not like rushing to see it, but um, I would definitely give it a shot. The female one with Melissa McCarthy and all them, I thought it was good, not great. It was, uh, I thought the actresses worked really well together and had some funny bits. Yeah. But the movie didn't flow well. It kind of felt like there were huge parts that lagged where nothing really happened and it felt slow and awkward. And then it also felt like there were bits that had been taken out that you needed there to tie it in nicer at the end. Like I I just felt the editing was really off and I was like, I'd be interested to see what was cut from this because it might make it more cohesive. But then I also was like, I can't imagine it with a longer runtime because I felt like it was dragging on so much. So there was like, yeah, yeah, two very different things were happening with that for me. It was like, it's dragging on, but then it also seems like too much was cut. So yeah, that felt to me like a movie where I was talking about before where there were like marketing people sitting there being like, yeah, this is what the, this is the movie we need to make. We'll draw a lot of people in, you know, and then it was more. And hey, you know what? Sometimes those movies work because when you get to a set and you're working with a company of people and and creating something, it becomes something totally different. But then again, sometimes it feels like, why is Chris Hemsworth in this so so much? Like, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it just didn't. Yeah, it was like jokes just went on and on. And um, I have to say, I really... Um, oh gosh, what's her, I'm, I'm, I'm here, here. I'm going to say she's so overexposed and that I'm, I'm forgetting her name. Kristen Wiig? No, not Kristen Wiig. Who, who, uh, from, from, um. Oh, Kate McMillan. Kate McKinnon. <laughs> I don't even know which one. Melissa McCarthy. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. She, they're all a bit overexposed. Now I was like, holy cow, you're right. They were all in this movie. Man, that yeah. is some cast, isn't it? Leslie Jones, too. Ed Bagley Jr. was in it. Okay, wait a second. Yeah, Melissa McCarthy is just played out for me. I feel like she needs to like not act for a while. I don't know. She's like common. She's too much on the TV. Every time I turn on the TV, I see them on the... Did you see Nine Total Strangers? Yes. and I, I think that's what it's called. That, I, that was my favorite role of hers. Trey... There's a reason you're on this podcast with me now. <laughs> that you are correct. That was a great job she did in that. That was really good. Yeah, I thought I think they might be doing a follow-up to that. 
Oh, I would watch that. I thought that was a really good show. Yeah, they are actually. Yeah, they are. They're doing a follow up to that. That's pretty cool. The whole the whole time, I thought that movie that show was going to end with like a like a weird murder thing, and it kind of just ended with everyone being like, "Streams are great," and I was like, "Whoa!" Did not see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's see season two. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah, it's been confirmed, but that was in July. So it's like during writer strike. So let's see. Right. Supposedly the second installment will, will take place in the Swiss Alps. Oh, I like that. So it's going to be like an anthology. Yeah. And the, I guess Nicole Kidman is the only person who is holed over. So it's like a new group of people that she has. Interesting. Wait a second. They already have the cast going too. Wait, has this thing shot already? It's been confirmed. Yeah, because they say Murray Bartlett is going to be in it. That's <gasps> good. I love him. Um, Okay, interesting. The cast, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, Murray Bartlett. Liv Ullman. Holy shit. Okay. This is an interesting cast. All right. Not, not too many other people that I recognize their names, but interesting. All right. Okay, cool. What you got next? Um, this is also very basic, but I have Beetlejuice next. Oh man. Ah, uh, when Tim Burton was great. Those were the days. Yeah, I think Beetlejuice is his best film. Yeah. Oh, you know what? It really is a great movie. I actually did watch this with my son a couple years ago around Halloween. Fucking Michael Keaton, man. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. What a career he's had too. When you really look at it and you start going down the IMDb and you're like, wow. And then you kind of forget just how out there he was in that role. Yeah, no, it's what, because when I was little, I watched Michael Keaton as Batman and then I watched Beetlejuice. And those were movies that were like, of like the 12 movies I saw when I was four, those are like ones that I would regularly watch. And I never thought that Batman and Beetlejuice were the same person. <laughs> Bat juice. Is that who it is? Battle juice. Battle juice. Beetle. Beetle. <laughs> oh my gosh. Batman. Yeah, man. What a movie. Oh, uh, Winona Ryder too. Wow. She, yeah, she's, I, I think she's such a good actor. She's so good as Lydia. And, um, oh, I always read her name, which is Catherine O'Hara. Oh my God. Oh, she, I mean, she is like, well, she, wait a second. Isn't she Canadian? Yes, she is. Yeah. She's like a national treasure in Canada. She, yeah. She's, well, cause Schitt's Creek was huge. Oh. And like, that was even big in the States. Wait, she was on SCTV, wasn't she? Back in the- I don't think I know what SCTV is. Oh, okay. SCTV, Second City TV. Oh, okay, yeah. So Second City is in Toronto. Yes, and SCTV was basically the Saturday Night Live of Canada. But oh, okay. Yeah, she was in SCTV. Yeah, she was original cast. Um, 1976 to 81. <clears throat> Oh, sorry. I'm coughing people. I'm still getting over my cold, but yeah, yeah, you should, if you've never seen SCTV, Eugene Levy, Dave Thomas, Andrea Martin, Joe Flattery, John Candy, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, all the folks were in SCTV. Oh, wow. Okay. 
yeah, yeah. I'll definitely look it up on YouTube then. I like forgot that that was a thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Beetlejuice is great. And man, gosh. Yeah. The practical effects just look so much better than new stuff. And I'm like, I'm nervous for, because they're doing the second one, right? Which should come out in the next like one to one and a half years. But I'm like worried that they're going to like CGI the hell out of it. Uh, They probably will. That's sad. Yeah. Oh, Jenna Ortega and Monica Bellucci are in it. Yeah. And when, I think Winona Ryder is playing Lydia and then Jenna Ortega is playing her daughter. So I guess the premise is like Beetlejuice comes back and tries to like marry the daughter or something. Interesting. If I had to, if I had to guess what the main drama is going to be. Oh, okay. So they shot this thing already, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. William Defoe is in it too. Oh, Justin Thoreau. This has got quite a cast. Yeah, and Catherine O'Hara is back. Yes. Beetlejuice. Wow. Yeah, Jenna Ortega's. She's just taking over all the creepy roles, huh? Yeah. She's just anything. Yeah, she's creepy like the new Halloween her. queen. Yeah, she really is. She was great. Did you see um, X and um, yes. the other sequel? Yeah, she was. Her little role in that was great. I especially because she must have been eighteen, nineteen when she did that. Like yeah. just literally legal enough to do that kind of film. But I thought she must have had to be like very, very brave to do such a risque role with all people who are like been in the industry for a lot longer and like 30 and up. Yeah. I love the way that dude, what's his name? Kid Cuddy. Is that how you pronounce it? He was so good in that. He was. And it's super kind of funny that I, I guess I looked at, he was like an executive producer of that too. Oh, um, I don't think I knew that. And it's like, okay, so you want me to do a role where I'm like this huge dicked porno guy? Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I don't think it took him like two seconds to be like, okay, I'm going to yeah. take this role. Um, yeah. Brittany and then, Snow was so good in that too. And oh, I, I had like recently watched um, Would You Rather Again? from like the 2000s. Oh, wow. And I was thinking, oh man, where did Brittany Snow go? I like hadn't thought about her since like 2004 or whatever. And then two weeks later, I'm watching X and I'm like, oh my God, she's back and she's great. Yeah, that was good. And then they did, I did not see the, wait. Pearl? Yeah, that's the the prequel, right? Yes. Honestly, it's really worth a watch. Okay, I'll watch it. The way that they shot it to actually look like, uh, I want to say 50s, 50s movie. Um, like, he did a really good job. Like, you know, Stranger Things is supposed to look 80s, but it's like, they've just gone way too far. Yes. And you're like, nothing looks like that. Um, Ty West, or T West, I don't know how you pronounce it, who, like, is doing the X trilogy, because there's going to be a third one. I, I thought he did just a really good job of, like, actually shooting a film like it was a film from the era that it's set in. I like that. And not, not trying too hard. Like there are so many shots they used in X where I was like, oh, this is like, they did this in all the slashers. Like they used the same camera technique and the same angle. And like he did, he did the same thing with Pearl, which is set like, yeah, 30 to 40 years earlier. Very cool. But it's Mia Goth is so good in it. I really recommend it. Like just for her performance alone. It's amazing. She is just, she really has a presence. You know, yeah. you, you just want to stare at her face. It's just really interesting. And she knows it too. She knows you're looking, you know, yeah. and, uh, as the best actors do. And she's, she uses that to her advantage. She's something interesting, man. 
Um, all right, she's what else? Ex- yeah, she's extremely charismatic. Um, so my fifth one for my not so scary, but definitely Halloween. This one is like very Halloween themed. It is Donnie Darko, the director's <sighs> cut. Oh, Donnie Darko, baby. Wow. Now that it that's that's pretty scary. I think that could be pretty freaky. Don't you think so? I, I guess it's like, yeah, there's there's some freaky aspects, but I wouldn't say that it's in the horror genre. That's true. It's it you're right. It's more of I guess it's how, kind of sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Drama, mystery, sci-fi with uh, you know, I guess it's the big rabbit that makes it feel that way. Um, but then the reveal that the rabbit is someone in a Halloween costume yes, is so good. Cause it, you're like, what does this mean? And it's like, Oh, it's just the guy in the costume and his, he's like also how Donnie's like spirit guide looks. Yeah. What a great movie. 2001. Wow. Remember Richard Kelly was like 25 years old. I think when he made this movie written and directed, um, and then he had a famous kind of breakdown and, and then his follow-up South. Oh, I didn't know he had a breakdown. Yeah. He, I mean, I think that there was like, a. there's some stories like, you know, I think there was just a lot of pressure for him to make another movie. And it took like five years to make Southland tales, which is a fucking weird movie. Oh, real. I don't I know. Haven't if you've seen ever that. Seen I've heard of that a lot, but I've never seen it. Yeah. Like the rock is the president. It's really weird. Oh. Um, I actually liked now eight years later, he did the box, which I thought was fantastic. I really oh, I haven't like seen that. that either, but I've heard a lot of good things about that. Yeah, that's really good. He hasn't done anything since. That's it. Um, I don't know if he's working on something. Well, oh, look, it says he's a movie called Corpus Christi. But I don't know. Yeah, he that's sometimes when you uh, it reminds me of the guy who did the um, Fantastic Four movie um, after he the did. The Jessica Alba, Chris Evans one? Yes. Um, what was it? Wait. Oh, no, not not that one. The one with um, Michael B. Jordan. Um, what was that guy's name? He, he, I don't think I know about this one. Yeah, he famously had uh, a lot of issues and they took him off a couple. Mo- what was he? He wasn't a Trank, Josh Trank. He was going to do um, that. What? What? The Because he did. That was Michael P. Jordan, B. Jordan's big breakout after Friday Night Lights Chronicle. Um, and then that the director of Chronicle, Josh Trank, was brought in to do like the Fantastic Four movie. And it just kind of like went off the rails that, you know, he was very young, too. Um but yeah, that shit happens. Yeah, 2015, Fantastic Four. A lot of people forget that that movie actually existed. Who was in yeah, that? I yeah, I had no clue. <laughs> yeah, it was Miles Teller, Kate Mara, Michael B. Jordan, and Jamie Bell. Oh, Kate Mara is the sister of Rooney Mara, right? Yep. Rooney yeah. Mara is in Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, and then Kate is the sister. Yes. And, and, and you, she's in American Horror Story, season one. Okay. Yeah, and you know that they're... Their grandfather owns the New York Giants, and he is like a billionaire. The I Mara, did not know that. Yeah, the Mara family. Yeah, she comes from a lot of money. 
Um, they're definitely acting because they love it. They do. <laughs> they do not need any of that cash. Um, all right, that's great. Now I have one fun. I made a little list of myself, but your list is better. So we're going on your list. I have one fun Halloween thing, and that is it's not even a movie. It's not a TV show, but it is simply a segment that was on 30 Rock for about 15 seconds, and it's one of my favorite fake music videos ever made, and it's called- Oh, I think I know what this is. <laughs> it's called Werewolf Bar Mitzvah, baby. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I just absolutely love it. I cannot stop every Halloween. I just walk around singing Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. Boys Have becoming- Have you heard the full version of it? There's like a three-minute version of it. Oh, wait. Is there a longer version? <laughs> yes, I got there's a YouTube. full version. Okay, I so got a someone find. made me put this on a playlist for a party in May. Um, okay, here we go. Actually, at the Game of Thrones convention, which is so random, but there was like a themed party that had a skeleton element to it. And then someone was like, put Werewolf Permitza on this playlist. And I was like, well, that's not skeleton Ooh, themed. But then 20 people out. were like, oh, you've got to put that song on the playlist. So I did. And it was like the first time I'd ever heard it. And I was like, what in the heck is this? Wait, okay. I can't find a video for it. I can only find a little bit. I'm actually playing it. You can't hear, but the folks can. I think on Spotify, there's a full version of it. Because I definitely added it to the Spotify playlist. Okay. I'm going to have to find that. <laughs> I love it. I just love Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. And whenever we talk about Halloween, I got to throw it out there. <laughs> it was actually written by Donald Glover. That makes sense. And yeah. also that's funny because I was going to say, if we're talking about like fun Halloween stuff, I would say my favorite Halloween episode of any show is the community Halloween episode oh, where there's like the yes. zombie outbreak because they eat yeah. the bad meat. Yes, that is fantastic. And Troy's like the last one to to get bitten. And like the whole thing is Abed being like, Troy, you have to be like the first black guy to survive a zombie <laughs> scenario. Oh man, community. I I should rewatch that. That had some great episodes, man. That really yeah. did. I really liked Community. But but always, there is a darkness about that show, you know? There's like a sadness. What's that? Because of Dan Harmon? Yeah, because of Dan Harmon, yeah. Yeah. Well, he. I think he brings that. It comes out, you know, in anything he does, there's like this kind of, I don't know, just like a lot of, I don't know, just like feelings of, self-hatred and like not I, I don't it's just yeah community is a weird one for me because it does there's just some episodes that i just feel like a little bit maybe went a little too far in one direction or you know but overall very fun sometimes the there's like great. bits that just seem mean in it yeah definitely and chevy yeah. chase chevy chase is not a nice dude no that's uh that's the word on the street all right Let's go scary. Okay. Um, so number one first, like scary is I have trick or treat, which is an anthology horror film uh, from, I want to say like 2008, 2010 ish, maybe. Um, I think Anna Paquin is like the only known actor in it, but it's all set in new Orleans. So I think there's four to five, little shorts and then it kind of goes back and forth between them. And then they all sort of intersect because everybody lives in New Orleans, you find out. So some people cross over into each other's stories 
And there's definitely spook. It's more fun than it is scary, but it's definitely horror. Ooh, I like this. I don't think I ever saw this. Brian Cox is in it too. Dylan Baker, Brian Cox. Yeah. Anna Paquin, who of course we know True Blood. Yeah. She, which is, oh man, what somebody mentioned that the other day. It was like, is it time? Oh, I think, I think it was Grandpa James. It was like, should we re, time for a True Blood rewatch? My wife and I then talked I about it. I never like, finished hey, it. Oh, it's great. I think it ends great. I thought it was. Okay, I thought the I'll last, get back into it then. Yeah. Because I think I've watched seasons one to three. Like, yeah, Vampires, Maynards, Werewolves. I've watched those three seasons two to three times each. And then four, season four was Witches. And I watched it, but I didn't love it. And then I think five started off with like getting more into the fact that Sookie's a fairy. And then I kind of lost interest then. But I would like to pick it back up because Jason Stackhouse is like top two favorite TV characters of all time for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was great. I think he is so funny and so interesting. And like just, I don't know, Ryan Quantum, like I've seen him in like a couple like small roles in B films and it's like not great, but he was so good at Jason. Maybe maybe that's what he's like in real life. And it was just very easy for him to do that character. But I think it's so funny. Yeah, he was great. You're right. And you and you know what? He was an interesting character, was he? Because there was like this kind of vulnerability. And then yeah. he was an open guy to different thing. I, I, yeah, you're right. That was because he, he they at first you think he's like uh like a bigoted redneck. Yeah. And then he's actually like, yeah, as you said, he's very open minded, he's very vulnerable. Um yeah, he he becomes one of like the most heroic, kind hearted characters of that show. He does. All right. Trick or treat. I never saw it. Directed by Michael Patrick Doherty, a nice Irish boy who, who <laughs> also wrote Krampus. He wrote Superman. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. He wrote Superman Returns with Henry Cavill or, oh no, he wrote, wait, no, he wrote S Superman Returns with Brandon um, Routh. The, the Superman movie that uh, Brian Singer directed that everyone forgets existed. I didn't um, know that existed. Yeah. He wrote a bunch. Of, interesting. And he also X-Men Apocalypse. Interesting. Yeah. Ooh, Urban Legends Bloody Mary. Okay. Interesting dude. Yeah. Now he's doing, he did Godzilla versus Kong. All right. This guy's had an interesting career. Interesting. I'm going to have to watch that. I never saw that trick or treat. I will say there's one of the short stories that felt a little like making fun of fat kids to me. And that one never sits well with me, but it's worth watching the movie for all the other ones. Right. I just have like qualms about one, like one of the plots. Yeah. Well, let's see. What year was this? 2007. So I guess, you know. Yeah, it was, it was like still considered publicly okay to make fun yeah. of fat kids, I guess, at that time. And of course, a college virgin may have met the guy for her. So it looks like, <laughs> I mean, a lot of times genre does deal with stereotypes and the best is when they turn it on their head and the worst is when they just use that, you know, because they're kind of don't want to write something that's deeper, you know? 
So, so Trick or Treat does have the storyline with Anna Paquin does have a really, really good turning it on its head moment. That's like very like girl boss, female empowerment. So all right, cool. I dig it. All right. What's next? Um, I had to pick, I like, obviously there are so many films in the Halloween franchise, like including like the Rob Zombie two that he did, yeah, oh the newer gosh. trilogy yep. that Danny McBride co-wrote. And then H2O, resurre- and then Halloween Resurrection, and then plus like the original like 70s to early 90s ones. So the one that I feel I like most right now, which like changes, is Halloween H2O, which is the one that starred Michelle Williams and Josh Hartnett. Oh, I and remember. And Josh Hartnett played, yes. So I think that is the one that I like most right now. Uh, mainly in terms of giving Laurie Strode the best characterization. There are some movies that I felt, because obviously like there's not one continuous timeline. People have just started over as if the other films haven't existed, like as if only the, the original one has existed and then like two to like six are not there. So they, they get to like keep rewriting Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Yeah. But in H2O, she's like the headmaster of a private school and she's like very tough and she has trauma, but she's not fallen apart the way she has in um, some of the other timelines, like the newest trilogy that just wrapped up last year. She's like a very, very sad, broken person. And they show that she has like a drinking problem and she jumps a lot and she sees things in H2O, but she is like, she's a mom. She has a full-time job. She has a good job. She has a really good boyfriend. And they just, they made her, I don't know. It was like a good balance between someone who has all this trauma, but then who is still strong and able to carry on. Okay. So I, I really like that iteration of her character. I think that's like my favorite Jamie Lee Curtis role. Um, and that movie has like LL Cool J in it. And then you have like a cameo from Joseph Gordon-Levitt as like yeah. a 14 year old or something in the very beginning. And then, yeah, obviously like Michelle Williams, Josh Hartnett. I just think that one's really, really fun. And it's like, Instead of running around Haddonfield, they're in Southern California, I think. Southern California or North California. I mean, somewhere like more south. And they're running around this boarding school all night instead of like their usual like small town, just going from house to house and like getting stabbed in the back alleys kind of thing. Wow. Well, that yeah. What a cast. I didn't realize all the cast that uh, it's been a while since I've seen this movie, but I think to me, I remember it because LL Cool J is in it. I'm like, that's the one with LL yeah. Cool J. Um, and he just wants to write his like steamy romance novel and he keeps <laughs> getting like interrupted by weird shit going on at nighttime. And this was directed by Steve Miner, okay, who directed a ton of television. But earlier in his career, later in his career, earlier in his career, he directed Friday the 13th Part 2 and 3. Oh, those are those are both really good. Yeah, he directed a, a movie which I have not seen in a really long time, but I remember seeing this in the movie theater and I it freaked me out. House. Do you remember this? The horror movie House with William Cat, you know, the guy from Greatest American Hero? I haven't seen this. Yeah, no. George Went is in it, Richard Mole. Um, it, that's a, that's a freaky ass movie house. That's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Um, okay. I will check that out then. Yeah. That, that was 1985. 
So I think George Went was like still on Cheers at that time or something. But yeah, what a, he also directed Soul Man. Remember that movie Soul Man? With, no, what's which, that about? Which would not be making, uh, would not be made today. This is a movie in which C. Thomas Howell wears blackface to receive oh, a God. full scholarship to college. Oh yeah. my God. Not, not going to be made today. Uh, Ray Dawn Chung is in it. James Earl Jones, Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. So that, I remember soul man. I do. That's 1986. <laughs> wow. When you go down people's IMDBs, you really find interesting stuff, but what's the last thing Steve Miner directed is yeah. A bunch of TV. He's like, but did a, did some recent TV shows. Wow. That's pretty awesome. What a career. Um, all right. What else you got? And that was actually, uh, Halloween H2O was written by Deborah Hill and John Carpenter. So the originals, they brought them back. I think it's cool the way they, they that always try sense. to respect it. Is written. It's like a very tight little screenplay. Yeah. Like it just, it flows really good. It's not too long. Some of the other, like some of, I don't know, between like Halloween, like two to eight or whatever, like some of them are really boring and oh, just have yeah. Like just the most like mind-numbingly dull scenes where you're like, I don't care who gets killed, or like nothing interesting has happened. But H2O is like fresh and exciting, and I think it helps that they have like really charismatic actors across the board. That helps. Um, okay, my next one is another Halloween movie, but I don't know if you know about this, but Halloween three season of the witch, they like were trying to sell it as oh, the yeah. installment of the Halloween films. And yep. it has nothing to do with Michael Myers, but it is very Halloweeny because it's about the children putting on the Halloween masks that like suck their souls. Oh, I totally remember. I love yeah. this movie. This is it's so, so weird. Fun and campy. Yeah. yeah. I love, I think it's so bizarre. I love that. Like the answer to all the mystery, this isn't really a spoiler because it's just kind of like such a silly movie, but um, like ancient druids are like the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the TV and like kids watching too much TV because they're like getting hypnotized by the ads for these these creepy yeah. masks and then they like buy the masks and then it drains them on Halloween night. Oh my gosh. It's such a like and then oh the actor from Prime Story is like the main guy in it. Yeah, Tom Atkins. Yes. Yeah, I this really, a, I really like him. This was a really weird one. I really like this movie, and this was very John Carpenter, where it is about something else, like you're talking about. It's really about uh, consumer culture, television, yeah. the media, right? What it turns yes. you into. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, this is, I think when you look back at those Halloween movies, this is one that people are, people remember. And like you said, it has like nothing to do with Michael Myers. It's just, it's so funny that they released it as Halloween three and people were like, oh my God, the third one's out. And then they went to the theaters and were like, what? Yeah, very strange. And it's not like people were posting about it on Reddit. You know what I mean? Like you can go on Reddit and see someone be like, don't bother watching it. It's not worth your time. It's not about Michael Myers. Like you would have just gone to the theater anyways. Yep. Um, okay. So jumping off of the themes of like children watching too much TV, Poltergeist is my number four, the original one, of course. Oh man. What, another one I saw in the movie theater. Oh, I'm so jealous. I think the day it came out, um, or the weekend it came out or at a preview or something, but 
yeah, this was definitely one that uh, I absolutely love. Poltergeist still holds up. And you it's all, so good. And you have the old, the age old, did Steven Spielberg direct it or did Tobe Hoper or however you pronounce his name direct it? People still feel like Spielberg kind of directed the movie. Um, it feels very, it, it, to me, it mm. seems very similar to Close Encounters. Yeah. Yeah. I Like think- I always see it as the spookier version of Close Encounters. So I could definitely see that Spielberg like had a lot of um, like power over how each scene went. And I'll, like beyond just like regular producing power. Oh yeah. There's, I'm sure there's a story out there. Um, yeah. Uh, about what really went on. I mean, this is like the rogue one where everyone debates who made it. Right. But wh- whoever made it, I mean, Craig T Nelson, who later was in parenthood, of course, coach, when I was growing up, I loved that stupid sitcom coach, what a crazy career and what great casting too. The thing that for me that grounds Poltergeist is the beginning is like setting up the neighborhood. And remember yeah. how like they set up the TV with like his his neighbor's satellite dish is interfering with his television. Remember? Yeah, the, I watched this last night. Um, so it was like fresh in my head. But yeah, his, um, he's having like friends over to watch football. And of course, it's like the worst thing ever if you have friends over to watch something specifically and then your TV starts going out. Yeah. And someone goes, I bet my life on this game. What do you mean we can't watch it? And he's like, oh, my neighbor's remote is connected to the same one. Give me a sec. <laughs> <laughs> so suburban. And it's like it takes place. And you could think that it's like the same neighborhood as E.T., Right. Yeah. Like it looks like it. I, I. I mean, I think it's just basically based on where Spielberg grew up in, in like some like subdivision in California. Um, but yeah, what a great movie. Uh, uh, Poltergeist never fails. My son has not seen this and I don't know if he, I, I want to show it to my wife. I always want to show it to my wife is like, no, he's still too young. Um, <laughs> and I, I think the person who really steals the movie is the brother. That's it. I, I know the I know that um uh Heather O'Rourke Carol Ann gets all the credit, but I feel like that brother's face, the little brother, just the all what's his name? Uh Robbie. The yes. when the tree is scratching. And mm-hmm. it's just, man, I felt like I was him, I guess, because I was a little boy about the same age when I'm, yeah, look at this. <laughs> now that I realize it, uh, he was a little older than me, actually. Yeah. I was only eight years old when this came out and I did see this in the theater. So thanks, mom. Um, <laughs> yeah. My mom let me see anything. There's so many good bits in it. And the, the okay. The computer-generated effects of, like, everything spinning around the room looks very god-awful from today's standards. Mm. But the tree going in looks – like, the way they did the tree, which I'm assuming was, like, probably, like, a lot of animatronic, is so good. And then all, like, the corpses popping out of, like – they have that, like, very – I don't know why you would have that when you have kids. They have, like, that just, like, uncovered hole in the ground where their pool is going to be. But then all the corpses pop out of it and stuff. That gets really good. 
when the um, paranormal investigator guy goes to the bathroom and he has a vision of himself pulling his face off. Oh. I think that is one of the coolest things ever. And he's eating the chicken. Yeah. Remember? And the bugs. Like the, the oh, meat. Yeah. God. Oh, what is it? The chicken or the meat? Yeah. Oh, my God. I think You're it's a right. steak and it like crawls across the counter and then explodes into worms. And then he runs to the bathroom and like sees himself pulling his face off. But you think that he did pull his face off and then he looks again and he's fine. That, the practical effects for that are really, really cool. I also can imagine that in the 80s, people were like, what the fuck? Because it was probably like a yeah. bit more graphic than oh. things had been at that time. Oh, that was super. I, I say this. I, I'm always talking about this. I remember back in the day, I think the first time I saw like a body explode or a head get cut off or something was like RoboCop or something. <laughs> And now it's like you can turn on the TV and on The Walking Dead, they'll chop like eight people's heads off in half an hour. And it really, the level of violence that's become acceptable, it's not only frightening for our society and we see the results of it, but it lessens it in film, right? Like if you do it too much, you know what I mean? It's like there's nothing... Like there, it's like, there's nothing romantic about porn. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it takes the Rome, it takes the mystery at it when there's so much violence and so much blood and death on television all the time. We, you, yeah, you're exactly right. That face peeling thing. I think it even shocked my parents at the time. <laughs> like, whoa, my God, what's that? And I also, speaking of practical effects, just a simple chair moving across the floor when they do that whole thing in the yeah. kitchen, when she figures it out, that that's so Spielberg, you know? Um, and there's only, there's something that also felt very Stephen King about this. I've always felt that Poltergeist was, was inspired by Stephen King as well. Well, he does like a lot of stuff with family dynamics yeah, too. On this, exactly. this film is like really about their family. Oh, but, totally, um, totally. I I love the parents' characters so much. Like they like roll joints in bed after the kids have gone to sleep, even though they're like supposed to be like a very typical yeah. like suburban, like more left wing, or more yeah. like it, you would presumably they'd be more right wing. I mean, but then yeah. there's like a lot of references to like. That oh, would, the psychic woman is like, call call to her. Tell her you're going to give her a spanking if she doesn't understand and say anything back. And he's like, I've never spanked my child. So it's like, they're like the cool new age parents, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. And But that's like, but that's the penalty. You suffer for that, right, Trey? It's just like, right. it's just like having sex as a teenager. Michael Myers <laughs> or Jason Voorhees is going to fucking kill you. Keep it in your pants. Right. That's like so many of those movies were like punishing teenagers for having fun and punishing adults. Like that's in there on purpose, you know, like they're like they were too liberal. And that's yeah. why Caroline was taken by the ghost. Cause when the thing started happening, the mom was like, she puts her in the helmet and lets the ghost push her across the floor. And then her husband comes home and she's like, Oh my God, look. And then the, there's a line where Caroline is like, Mom didn't make anything for dinner, and it's kind of like, look, your wives aren't cooking dinner anymore. They're playing yep. with the ghosts. Like, yeah. And this is this 82. liberal thing has gone too far. Exactly. This is eighty-two <laughs> Reagan, right? Like, just say no. And the dad is reading a, a Reagan era, like he's reading mm-hmm. a biography of Reagan in bed as well. That's that is yeah crazy. Craig T. Now, what a what a I'm looking at a picture of him right now, looking scared and like, gosh. 
man, he was great casting for that. Really great casting. Um, all yeah, right. Did you play the dad? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love them. And there are so many, such sad, but everything that followed this is so sad too. Like Dominique Dunn dying and like all the crazy shit that yeah. happened to everybody in this cast is like insane. Well, were, did they supposedly film it on a haunted site or is that just a rumor? I I think that's probably a rumor. I don't, I don't know okay. where they filmed it. Because everyone says like they believe that like the curse, like it's like the production was cursed and it yeah. was because they were making a film about something like that, that they like upset a spirit or something. And that that's why so many of them had like bad things happen after. Yeah, I don't know. They should have just let put Steven Spielberg as a director and everything would have been okay. <laughs> too late um all right what's your final is this your final one yes it is all um, right so this is i would say a little indie film but eli roth did produce this so i know like they had help in terms of i like saw that he rewrote their screenplay or like told them what to do because it you like didn't connect with the characters and he was like you have to like build up before you start killing people off. Otherwise, no one's going to care. Um, but this film came out four to five years ago, and it's called Haunt. And it is about a group of twenty, like early 20s college kids who are driving around on Halloween night trying to find like a haunted house in the middle of like fields kind of thing. Like they live in a small town. They're probably in the Midwest or something. And they stumble across um, like a real haunted house where the actors torture and kill 20 year olds and seem to be like in a cult that does this every year. Oh, wow. Okay. I have not seen this. It is re for, for like a little indie horror film. As I said, though, like Eli Roth did produce this, so they had some budget. Um, but it's just really surprisingly well done. There's like no supernatural stuff. It's just like bad people who like scaring people who like took it too far. And now they're like, like some guys were like, Oh, let's open a haunted house. And then one guy was like, Hey, what if we actually killed someone? And then three people were like, Oh, thank God you said it. Like I've always wanted to do, you know what I mean? It's just about like creepy people who like found that they all have the same interest and like want to like fuck up some 20 year olds on Halloween. Okay. Interesting. So this guy wrote, he, um, the, the, it's directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods. They wrote, um, uh, it's taking, uh, taking a little bit time to load a quiet place. Oh, so they wrote a quiet place in 2000. Now that came out in 2018 haunt came out in 2019. I bet you selling that got them the money to make haunt. And then they also, okay, they didn't write part two, but it's based on their characters. But then they wrote and directed the Adam Driver movie, 65. Did you see that? When he is like an alien oh. that crashes on Earth 65 million years it. ago? I meant to watch that when I heard about it, and then I forgot that it was a thing. But I love Adam Driver. It's actually a fun movie. I thought it was okay. a fun sci-fi it feels like a good episode of Star Trek or something. You know what I mean? It's not, it's basically like we got to get off this fucking planet. You know, it's mm -hmm. very simple. It is, it, it had, it doesn't have the greatest 
CGI or, or effects or, uh, you know, it doesn't look like it cost a million dollars, but Adam driver is fucking awesome. And I really liked it. Scott Beck and Brian Woods. Okay. I think we're going to see stuff for them. That's great. That Okay. I want to check that out now because I really liked a quiet place and I, I really liked 65. So that sounds like a good one. Haunt. All right. It's, it's fun. And the set design is so good because it's the like all the action takes place in a haunted house. So it's like the characters moving through a haunted house and then realizing that there actually is like a threat there. Cheap to so shoot. So the set too. design is really, really good. Yeah, keep it in one location. That's yeah. That's I, a- and I really tend to focus on horror films that are set in one location. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, in general, when I think about films that I love and I don't think people talk about it enough, I love, I'm very location based. Like if a movie is, looks like it's in a certain, it just feels good production design. These things are really important. Um, Hey, that's yeah. just the, what we started off talking about. Talk to me every time they're in a house, it feels like somebody's house, right? Like, yeah, it, that's true. It doesn't feel like a set. I hate it when you fuck when there's a set or when like you can kind of tell like the ceiling just doesn't there's no ceiling, you know, it's just going yeah. on forever with the light and shadows. All right, that's a good one. Haunt. That's interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of people think Krasinski gets a I know he directed um, I thought he wrote it too. Well, so, he gets all the yeah. credit, but he wrote it after they wrote it. You know what I mean? So they wrote that screenplay and then he added some to it and he got a credit. So oh. he he must have done enough to get um, that WGA credit. But the story was first by them. Then they wrote the screenplay with him. So the scene in the basement when it floods and the alien is down there and the mom has like the new baby is like one of the most upsetting oh, things I've ever watched. I like I literally feel sick right now because it made me so scared. That was a great movie. That really was a great movie. Um, the yeah, second I one was... I haven't seen the second one yet. Eh, it was okay. It was good. It was okay. Um, now they're doing a uh, prequel, A Quiet Day, A Quiet Place Day One. Um, oh yeah, I think they already shot it. Yeah. Let's see who, what is that day one? Yeah. Quiet place. Day one coming out next year. Um, who direct? Cause they initially they were going to have, I, I remember that the original director they got for this. Oh my, wait, Michael Sarnowski. Oh, Jeff Nichols was originally going to direct it, uh, who was a director that I really love. But then they have someone, he he got, he went to a different project. Oh, it's the guy who who directed Pig with um. I haven't seen that yet, Nicholas but I Cage. love Nick Cage. Yeah, that was just, a good movie. So I like, if animals get hurt in a movie, I get really sad. So does the pig get hurt in Pig or can I watch it? I, I don't even remember. Okay, I'll have, to, I'll have to go on to like the doesthedogduckdie.com yeah. and like see. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. What a lit tray. What a great list. We Thank had, you. Man, it's fun we to had, put together. Yeah. Gosh, we've been going a while here. We've been talking about a lot of fun, scary Halloween stuff. 
And I even got to talk about werewolf bar mitzvah a little bit, too. <laughs> I'm definitely listening to that as soon as we're done recording. Oh, me too. All right. Yeah, I should. But there's for sure is like a three minute version out there. So go okay. find that one. I am definitely <laughs> going to find it. Well, is there anything else you wanted to chat about or say before we uh, wrap this up? Um, no, I think that was pretty much it. All right. Well, hey, we got to get you back on again soon. Um, I would love to. This was a great time. And wow, I think I feel like I learned a lot from this as well. We, we learned a lot about people's careers. Talk about some cool movies. Got to go yeah. check out Haunt and Trick or Treat, which I, I yeah, I can't believe that. Tr- that Trick or Treat probably passed me by. Because when you have a name like that, you're kind of like, ah, this isn't going to be good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know it's it's a very lame name. (laughs) Yeah, it's like two on the nose, right? Yeah. It's like a Christmas miracle, or you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) but that's cool. All right, Trey, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Check us out again at dvrpodcast.com. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash dvr. I'll be back soon, maybe tomorrow, maybe Wednesday. We'll see how the old uh, the old throat's going. I had to do a lot of muting to cough during this one, so hopefully... Uh, I didn't even notice. Uh, that, that makes me feel good. All right, good. Hopefully the <laughs> listeners didn't notice either. Take care, everybody. Take care, Trey.